As I said, tonight I'm just going to do something very, very simple. Very, very simple indeed. I'm going to look at what is important. What is important? Normally I would take a passage of scripture and work our way through it. I'm just going to take three simple verses and work out with you tonight what is important. What's important in the Christian life? What's important to be a Christian? What's the important things? And that's where we'll start and hopefully that's where we'll finish tonight. Some of what I say tonight is so obvious. We start off with Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing that we can come to, is the person of Jesus Christ. It's so obvious. We are Christians. We are followers of Christ and his way. We've committed ourselves to him to trust him. Trust him for everything in this world and in the next. So one of the verses that Mary read to us was this. Part of it said, We preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so for the Christian, Christ is at the centre of their lives. Christ is at the centre of everything. Christ is the, the dominant feature of our lives. We have lots of important things in life. Getting there. See some of the important things coming up. These things are important. Money, family, job, hobbies. All good things. Things that we all do. But for the Christian, the dominant thing in our life is Jesus Christ. Another verse that says that says, To you who believe, to those who are Christians, Jesus is precious. He's the important thing in our lives. As Christians, we've all realised what he has done for us, haven't we? We know that he left heaven. He could have stayed there. He left heaven for us. He came to earth for us. He became poor for us. He died for us. And so to us, the Christians... Jesus Christ is the most important thing in our life. Do you recognise these two? Do you? You've probably seen them a little bit. What are they doing this these few weeks? They're going around the country and people are asking them questions, aren't they? And they ask them all sorts of questions about politics, about morals, about taxes, about money, about the law, what they're going to do. And that's not a lot different <laughs> to what the questions they asked Jesus. Jesus travelled round for three years and they asked him questions about politics, about these Romans who are occupying us, about taxes, should we pay money to the occupying forces? Um, the law then was the law of Moses and they were looking for clarification on how they should live their lives. But Jesus went round and answered many, many of these questions. And you've got, we've got the whole of the Gospels telling us how Jesus answered all these questions. But eventually, Jesus put a question to them. He said, you have asked me many questions. 
which showed your great curiosity. Now I have a question for you. And he said, what do you think about Christ? That's the important question I want to leave with you. And this is a really important question because it's the only real question that has any real eternal significance. Jesus didn't ask them about the politics of theology or morality generally, but he asked them, what do you think about Christ? And when we speak to people about Christianity, perhaps we should do the same. We should confront people with Jesus Christ. We shouldn't perhaps ask people about what they think about the church or what they think about this doctrine or this part of the Bible. But what do you think about Jesus Christ? That's, the, that's where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? It's the crux question. That, the answer to that question is fundamental and will determine how we spend eternity. Jesus came, he claimed to be the unique son of God. It's quite interesting, if Jesus had country, come to any other country other than Israel and did all the things that he did there with healing the sick and uh, the wise things he was saying, he'd been quite easily accepted as a god. He was saying, you can be a god alongside all these other gods here. But Jesus was not prepared for that. Jesus is unique. He's the one. He's the one and only true God. Unfortunately, the Jews who believed that couldn't see that. Even to this day, they cannot see that. They didn't recognize or acknowledge that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, or God the Son, and made that major mistake. Where do we place him today? Somebody put it like this, I'm sure you've heard it before. Somebody said, was he mad? That's a possibility. A lunatic who deluded himself to think he was God. If that's true, he died a pathetic death on a cross. There's no evidence that. In fact, the evidence when you read the scripture is the opposite. He was not a megalomaniac. He spoke quietly with authority and related to people. I've only ever heard one person who claimed to be God. I actually went one time to Speaker's Corner in London, and there was a man standing up there telling me he was God. But he was mad. That's who he was. When you, the other things he kept going on and saying, you realise this man is, is completely mad. Or was he bad? Was he a liar? Was he trying to deceive people? Was he demonic? In which case he died as a fool. A leader who sent gullible followers to a hopeless eternity. That doesn't square up with the character we have in scripture, does it? Of Jesus. Even Pilate said he couldn't find any fault in him. Or the other alternative is that he is God, who he claimed to be. God in human form, sent into the world to save us. Many people reject Jesus without even asking these questions. They don't think it's important. They dismiss him as irrelevant without considering what he has to say. I hope there's no one here like that tonight. I'm sure there's not. But if there is, I would encourage you to look at Jesus Christ. He's asking that question. Who do you think I am? And I hope that you'll not dismiss him. Consider him. Seek him. 
and you will find him. So that's the first important thing for Christians is Jesus Christ. That's so obvious. Another important thing is the church. Let me read these verses from Matthew. Jesus asked his disciples, who do the Son of Man say, who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say that I am? So that was the first question coming back. Who's, who is Jesus? And Peter replied, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, I tell you that, Peter, that on this rock of that statement there, that I am the Son of God, I will build my church, and the gates of hell or Hades will not overcome it. On this rock of the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is God the Son, I will build my church. So after the recognition of Jesus comes the building of the church. So what is the church? Is that the church? Two old photographs of, uh, of two buildings here on Isla. I'm sure you all know that's not the church. That's not the church at all. The church of the people inside. I couldn't get a decent photograph of that. There was a picture taken of some of the church. That's better, a description, a better picture of the church than the first ones that I showed you there. And each one of us could have a story to tell of how, first of all, we recognised who Jesus is. And then we went through our lives we, and we came to the point where we wanted to come together as the church, to worship together. All of us have stories. We all come as individuals one by one, all different. And then Christ builds us into the church. I have the joy lots of times of uh, interviewing people who want to come and join the church, uh, both here and at previous churches I'd been at. There was one couple I went to visit. I can always remember it. Just a young couple, just not newly married. And uh, Rob said, well, I'll start off and tell you my story. I was brought up in a Christian home. Um, I went to church every week. I knew the scriptures. And as a teenager, I found Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I was baptized in my local church. Um, I was involved in it, then went to university, <laughs> involved in the Christian Union. And I've now got married, and I want to come and join you in your church here. Very nice and simple. Then his wife said, well, I was born in India. I was brought up as a Sikh. Um, she admitted that they were nominal Sikhs. <laughs> the religion didn't mean very much to them. And then at school age, she went to a Roman Catholic school. And she learned English there. And she learned all her, the rest of her subjects went through school. Then she wanted to become a doctor. So it's very difficult, very expensive to become a doctor in India. And so she learned Russian and went to Russia and did a medical degree in her third language. 
wonderfully did all that. She said, well, I went lots of times there to the Greek Orthodox Church and tried to understand what was going on there. Then she did a postgraduate uh, study in England at Loughborough. And uh, there she went to a Monday Thursday foot washing service. And there God spoke to her. And she became a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. And then she went on to be baptised and joined the church there. Different ways, isn't it, that God uses. He brings us all together from different places, different ways of life, to bring us together to form the church. The church is made of people, people like you and me, people like Rob and Ritu that have been talked about. People with flaws, people are imperfect, but people who want to worship Jesus Christ because they've recognised who he is and their journey through life. People who want to read and study the word of God, the Bible, to understand how they can follow their master better. Follow him in the way that he wants them to go. To learn how we should behave as followers of Jesus Christ. People who want to pray to him. To have communication with him. And people who want to be with believers who think the same things as they do. When we come together to do these things, we come together not just as this small group here, and Isla tonight. Isn't that wonderful to think about? We join together with all other Christians who have met today throughout the world. We are part of the church. Each church will have a, a picture like that of people who are coming to worship, to, to read and study and pray and to encourage one another. And we join too in our worship with the angels in heaven. We join too with our worship with all the Christians who have gone before, who are now in heaven. We're not just part of a small group. We're part of a God's universal church. And we'll meet together here, in a sense, church is a foretaste of heaven. It's a foretaste of being together with all God's people in God's presence, worshipping and praising him. And so when we come here, it's not just another meeting together. It's something much wider to be in the church. So the church is the people. But it's, I say it's also essential. Some people think it's not essential. They think it's okay to have their own views, to worship another just on their own. Some think services are a waste of time. Some think they don't need to be to commit to a fellowship together here. Some prefer their own independence so they don't have an authority or anyone truly to answer to. But I encourage you to join the church and be with us. And I know that some are doing that just now and are speaking to the people who have done that. So just move on quickly. Another thing that the church is, is the body of Christ. Meaning it's can The church is the the means by which God's kingdom will, kingdom work will continue. He gave us his Holy Spirit. He put it into the church so that they can continue 
his work. They can continue to build up his kingdom. There's lots of things I could say about this. It's when you've got a body, you need to exercise. <laughs> and that's what we do in the church with the word. We read it. We build ourselves up. Ready for We get nutrition. That's where we get our feeding. That's where we get our coaching. There's so much in that analogy I could say, but we'll leave it at that. The last thing I want to say about the church is that it must be united. That's so important. When I was inducted as a minister to the church here, I had to make certain promises. One of the promises I had to make was this. Will you make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace? Yes, and the church must be united. So when people insult you, you have to make every effort. When people bypass you or hurt you, things that shouldn't happen, we should make every effort. When people do things differently and it upsets us, we need to make every effort. When people have different views, we need to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So my third C is commission. So we've recognised an important thing is that first of all it's Jesus Christ, the most important person in our lives. Then being joined together as the church. And then we have a commission. We've been told of things that we should do. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. He went on to say, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Did that happen? Did that happen? I think it did because when you look at the map, we are at the ends of the earth. <laughs> I used to tell the children in school, that's what Jesus, when Jesus was saying, you'll be witnesses to the ends of the earth, he was thinking of Isla. <laughs> We're right at, the, right at the end of the known world. And just within a few years, the gospel of Jesus Christ had spread from one end of that map right to the other. And it was done by the people that Jesus commissioned. And he still commissions us to do it in the same way. It's not only a, a privilege to receive the Christian faith, but it's a duty to transmit it. Someone said every Christian must look in themselves as a link between two generations. Parents to children, older ones to younger ones, leaders to those who follow on. I think Paul thought of the gospel like a duel. He had met Jesus Christ. He had this wonderful duel that had been given to him. He wanted to cherish it, to protect it, but then to pass it on. But we need to pass it on in our home and then going out through our circle of friends to family, to those in the fringe of the church, those outside the church. All of these people need to be reached by the church, a church which is Christ at the centre. Paul tells young Timothy when he was writing to him, 
preach the gospel when it's convenient and when it's inconvenient. Not just when it's easy. He tells them to do it with urgency because he knows that the opportunities will pass. He tells them to do it with patience, with perseverance. And that commission to us still stands. So something very simple tonight. What are the important things? Important things, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour in our lives. And for all of us then working together in the church, worshipping, praying, encouraging one another, building each other up, ready for the commission that he has given us to take that gospel to the whole world. Let's pray for a minute.